Welcome to the podcast from Trinity United Methodist Church in Ruston, Louisiana. Our prayer is that God uses this time to speak specifically to you, regardless of where you are on your faith journey. We'd also like to invite you to worship with us every Sunday morning at 8.30 or 10.45, either in person or online at www.trinityruston.org. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Henry Rohn gave me a time limit on the sermon. So the first thing I want to say, bow your heads for our closing prayer. (laughs) What a journey this holiday season This day, if you will, being a stopping point, catch your breath, feel like we're in a hiatus. We just finished Christmas. I hope none of you experienced Ebenezer or Mr. Grinch. I reflect, though, since it's just that recent, that I got a lot out of it and there was more maybe there. For some, Christmas was a time for nothing but gifts and parties and being overwhelmed by glitter and just having a good old time. And it stopped for them. That was it. Others, it was a wonderful family time, a joyous time. Others, And you know them. It might have been a sad time. Someone lost during this time of year and years past, and the time reminds us of that. Somebody might have been lost or left this world very recently. Two names jump out at me just like that. The daughter-in-law of the LSU coach yesterday And just a couple days before that, Carmelite Smith. And you could go on and on, but it's not always the wonderful time. But for Christians, why do we have this as one of the three, in my view, major days during the time that Jesus was on the earth that we focus upon? Why? I get part of the verbiage for today's remarks from my grandchildren, and I had them from my children before, with the interminable, inevitable, uh, annoying question, why? Yeah, but why? Yeah, but why? Why did Jesus come to this earth. We believe that he was there at the creation. Why did he come to this earth? And that is our focus as Christians. We know he's coming again, but why did he come to this earth that first time? Theologians write lots of books and millions of words, but why? Do we celebrate Christmas? Well, it used to be, if you recall, that Christmas or the birthday or birth date of Christ was not even celebrated. For one thing, we don't know 
specifically when it was. We picked a winter holiday to coincide with some other holidays from the time. But we're not 100% positive, but that doesn't matter for the naysayers as to why we had Christmas. But for a long time, it wasn't recognized. We also know for a long time in certain areas of this country, it was even criminal. Yes, it was even criminal to celebrate Christmas in some of the communities run by the strong-fisted Puritan groups because Christmas was not a sacred enough observation of the birth of Christ because it had become too secular. (laughs) Can you imagine they're looking in a time machine as to what it's like now? But why do we have Christmas? Very simple. In my mind, I won't go off into theology and a lot of verbiage. Jesus was not the one who complicated religion. It's many of the scholars years after that have. Very simply, he came here for the start of his journey on this earth. He came here because he wanted us to be with him. He wanted to be with us. He wanted to let us know who he was. He wanted us to know that he was real. I suppose I haven't gotten a response to any celestial email as to why Almighty God chose the excruciating suffering and horrific death that Jesus endured. You remember the scene in the Garden of Gethsemane when Peter got ticked off and basically, forgive me, Lord, I'm just paraphrasing, Jesus told Peter, oh, shut up. Don't you know I can get legions of angels here to take care of this? Explaining why the process of his crucifixion had to occur. I don't know why Almighty God just didn't wave a magic wand and forgo all of that stuff, but that's what he chose and it showed his love. It showed his love to us. He showed it to us while, we were, while he was on this earth. He proved to us that he wanted to relate to us by being born where and as he was. He, along the way, proved that he wanted to connect with us and us with him. He also, brothers and sisters, strongly told us, made known to us, demanded of us that we interact correctly with one another. He didn't complicate religion, as I said in the Gospel of Matthew. He condensed the Ten Commandments for dummies like me and made it this simple. 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And you shall, second time, shall love your neighbor as yourself. He started us on the road to where he wanted us to be. He started in that little town of Bethlehem. He taught us, and he gave us instructions along the way. I can tell you that when he said shall, he meant it. More examples or instructions to follow. My marvelous English teacher of the ninth grade, Mary Alice Garrett, would have told you that's an imperative word. You shall. He told us that this walk, our journey, along with his journey, would not necessarily be convenient or socially acceptable. So as we have just finished Christmas, knowing that he came here to die, knowing that he came here to save us, and as we're in a hiatus, if you will, between the two holidays, New Year's is coming up, and what is a word that pops into our minds when we hear New Year's? Pork, black-eyed peas, and turnip greens. No, that isn't what I was thinking about. And I'm not going to play one of these guessing games, raise your hand kind of deals. But sometimes we think of resolutions, don't we? A long time ago, one of my four kids came up to me and my wife and said, why do you make revolutions? And being the know-it-all father, I started to answer, and I said, well, it's because... What? Why do you make revolutions, Dad? Uh, I'll get back with you on that one. He had the word wrong, but perhaps in a cute little way, it put an interesting spin or focus on some of the promises we make to ourselves at this time of the year which we know darn well we ain't going to keep for very long, maybe. Some of them might be revolutionary. One that comes to me about every year, won't say it out loud too often, well, I guess I've got to lose some weight. What did you say? I'm going to lose some weight. And then... Uh, follow up with the promise to break my resolution within the week. For me to get in a focus on that would indeed be revolutionary. Well, there is some language that challenges or moves us to a resolution to follow what Jesus told us in the imperative in his gospel in language that's not so comfortable. When he says love our neighbor as ourselves, here comes another challenge, 
and instruction, mandate, imperative word, forgive. He came here to forgive us. Good reason to celebrate the start of the journey. But he didn't leave it there. He came here to forgive us. He came here to instruct us how to live, which included forgiving one another and accepting forgiveness. Listen to these words. Judge out of Luke. Judge not, and you won't be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. You get that flow? You will be forgiven, oh, and then forgive. No, he said, forgive, and you will be forgiven. In the Lord's Prayer, we just said it. The word as appears in there, in there twice. One of which we just said a few minutes ago, we might have been going over it hurriedly or in rote recitation, but we said, forgive us our debts or forgive us our trespasses. What? Because we deserve it. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive one another. And to show that he meant that as an imperative, hear his words right after the Lord's Prayer where we end with, for thine is the kingdom and the power in Matthew six fourteen and 15. Here he's emphasizing it For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Maybe that ought to be clear enough. But he continues. And these aren't my words. These are the words of the one who started his journey in Bethlehem. But if you do not forgive others their sins, Your Father will not forgive your sins. Stepping on my toes. There are so many other expressions and lessons in the New Testament about Christ's instructions, his admonitions, his imperatives. How many times do you forgive? Seven times. Seven times or seven times seventy? Forgiving your enemies, turning the other cheek. Even one that has to do with how we worship. Don't bring your gift up to this altar, buddy, until you've gone and made peace and reconciled with your neighbor. He never said it was easy. But it is part of his journey with us and part of why we think of how we started his journey here. You ever have one of those moments? What are you talking about? Do you ever have one of those moments? I'm not equating this to an Aldersgate moment. I'm just saying, have you ever had one of those moments of inspiration, thought, theology, if you will, philosophy, 
magic. And we all do from time to time, I suppose. One day in this sanctuary, thinking of forgiveness, I don't know who it was that was speaking. I was paying perfectly good attention to the speaker, mind you. I was not daydreaming at all. Someone had said some words about forgiveness. That kind of inspired me, I suppose, and got me kind of looking at the cross. It might have been Raleigh that did it. I don't know. If it wasn't, it could have been. I was looking at the cross in a unique way to me, not maybe in a theological way, but in a unique way to me, and I suggest you might think about this for a moment. It wasn't that exact cross. It was another one. Some of you might remember the gold cross that was up there on the altar. It was that one, I think. But I was thinking of forgiveness, and all of a sudden it struck me. I'm looking at the cross in two sections. One vertical, one horizontal. The vertical symbolized to me Almighty God sending Jesus down to earth to save me and die for my sins. The vertical section going upwards, I could see his grace, his love, his challenge, my allegiance to him, and how marvelous a gift he gave. Then I thought of the horizontal section as he said to us, love one another, forgive one another. I mean it, forgive one another. He didn't have to say the words, I mean it, it was clear. I saw the horizontal section symbolizing to me at that moment my duty to my brethren and their duty to me. And then finally I saw where the two sections intersected and remembered the question We don't know that it was said, but it's a nice story. The question that a person asks Jesus after his long journey, how much do you love me? At which point Jesus said this much, and he held out his hands and he died. Now, what do we understand from this? That we've gotten the perfect gift. We don't have to worry about that anymore. What do we understand our, if you will, duty, admonition, teaching is about forgiveness, loving God with all our heart and all our soul, but also our neighbor as ourselves? You remember the words of the Great Commission? One more time. Go and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Teaching them to obey. So I was thinking about those, if you will, first disciples, thinking, I wonder how they felt when Jesus told them that. And then one of those weird thoughts came to my mind. I don't know, and it was based on just having read the Christmas story. Did any of you read the Christmas story? Again, this is not one of those raise your hands times. Did any of you read the Christmas story or think of it or whatever that we often do out of the Gospel of Luke? As I was reading through that the other day, in Luke, the second chapter, 15 and 18, the angels had left them and gone into heaven. Left who? The shepherds. And the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened with the Lord, what the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they, who? The shepherds spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said. What happened? The shepherds went down to see the baby, and they go off yapping real hard and telling people with enthusiasm, and all who heard it were amazed. What were the shepherds telling them? Oh, we just saw a birth. It was a normal birth. No, it was not a cesarean section. It was just a normal. That's not what they were telling them. What would have been unique about that? They were telling them that they had learned the message and they told it to anybody they could grab and all who heard were amazed. You know, I've often wondered, reckon if any of those shepherds that night who went off preaching, if you will, because I'll tell you, I don't think the first disciples or followers of Jesus were those guys from Galilee most of whom were fishermen, tax collector, a couple other guys, one who betrayed him. I think it was the shepherds at Bethlehem. During the hiatus between his birth, whenever it was, and when they went sharing that amazing people they were doing what? They were spreading the good news of the gospel. They did this without even the prompting of the Great Commission. Brothers and sisters, know these facts. That was my thought about a spin on the shepherds, which maybe is a little unique. It's not a point of faith but I will tell you this, it hit me right between the eyes 
that during this interim time, during this hiatus, there should not be a hiatus with me and my responsibility to look at the vertical, to look at the horizontal, and to follow his word and share it enthusiastically. Know these facts. You and I have already received the perfect gift. What do we do with this on our earthly journey? We're charged by Jesus who gave us that gift to follow his lead, to love one another, and as we think of resolutions or revolutions at New Year's, maybe that should be ours. We are charged that even during the quiet interludes to share the good news of the gospel by what we say and how we live and our listeners, as were the listeners of the shepherds, might be amazed. Their enthusiasm was infectious. So may our sharing be of the gift that we have received as we are on our journey from that little child who started his journey in that little town. Join me, if you will. Lord, thank you for coming to the world you created and your perfect gift to us all. Thank you for teaching us your will. Strengthen our resolve to share by our words and our lives the good news, just as it was shared right after your birth. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Podcast. To find out more about Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityreston.org.